Good morning. It's Thursday, February 16th, National Almond Day. Hey, are you looking for something that can be sweet, salty, candied, or milk? Try an almond. They're great for you and terrible for the environment. And now, the news. First of all, sorry about no news yesterday. As you may know, if you listened to Monday's episode, we relaunched the nonprofit as We Are Voters. And it turns out uh, it's a lot of work to launch or relaunch a nonprofit. Um, I was exhausted. I remain exhausted. But still, I said I was going to be back on Wednesday. I wasn't back on Wednesday. I'm sorry. And uh, additional apologies because I'm back now. I'm back to talk about the millions of pieces of news that broke while I was trying to get you to vote. Starting with the hardest story of the week. Um, for me, at least. All these stories are awful, but this one um, hit too close to home. On Monday night, a gunman killed three and injured five Michigan State University students. The hunt for the shooter lasted hours before he died by suicide after he was confronted. The shooter was 43 with no known ties to state. In his pocket, police found a note indicating that he planned to attack two schools in New Jersey. And because this is America... Some of these students who survived Monday's shooting had already been through similar experiences. For example, Emma Riddle, a freshman at State, was an Oxford High student and was at school when a student opened fire there, killing four and injuring seven others. And that's how we talk about this, right? Four killed, seven injured, three killed, five injured, as if that's the entire picture. As if everyone else who sheltered in place or jumped out of a window or thought, honest to God, truly thought that they were going to die as if they don't count. We literally don't put them in the numbers. We don't count the parents who got the text from their kids telling them they were, that they were okay or that they were scared or that they weren't sure if they were going to make it out, but they wanted them to know that they loved them. We don't count them. We don't count the secondary victims who might drop out of school, who will never walk into a crowded room the same way again, who will have survived only to find themselves back in the lockdown every time they hear about another school shooting. And let's be honest, there will always be another. Because thoughts and prayers, thoughts and prayers, but the second you try and prevent it from happening again, you're politicizing the event. But not doing anything about it, that's political too. This is a political issue. It shouldn't be, but it is. The Second Amendment becomes seen as the pillar that holds a nation up instead of what it is. Our ruin. What happened Monday night was horrible, and it was preventable. If only the lawmakers who stand up for guns were willing to do something incredible and stick up for humans in a bigger way. Hey, uh, so I never do this. Um, usually when I'm done with the news, I am done with the news for the day. And if news breaks afterwards, I put it in the next day's episode. I haven't even written anything. Um, I'm just going off the cuff here. Because as I was ending my day, news broke that at least one person has been killed and at least three others were injured in a shooting in an El Paso mall. That is breaking news. Uh, that is kind of all we know right now. This is breaking news as I'm, I'm saying this. The gunman is still at large. Here's hoping that by the time you hear this, um, those numbers have not changed. But the person responsible for this has been arrested. But I felt like in light of what I said about Michigan State, this was an important story to include. Uh, I'm having a, a difficult time because 
when we hear numbers like that, one killed, three injured, um, your your heart breaks and you also think at least it's only one and at least it's only three. And that is not the correct response. Um, and I, I'm just being honest and tell you that that's what my response was. Um, because that's not okay. And it's only that response because this is America. This is an epidemic that we have here. And it's it's a pandemic. It's not an epidemic, um, which is what I started to say. It's an it's a pandemic um, because it happens all over and, and no area is immune. And if you are lucky enough to think that your area is immune. Um, it's that's really lucky. Uh, but just like the last pandemic, um, there is a whole political faction that is uninterested in caring about this, caring about doing anything to fix this, caring about doing anything to prevent this. Because it's the same governor of Texas who didn't do anything after the last shooting in El Paso and won't do anything after this one because he believes that guns are people and people are expendable. And he's not the only one. It's a whole political party that puts the Second Amendment, an outdated piece of language written by people who didn't even brush regularly, but we'll, we'll put their words. They're hastily written and much argued over words, over the lives of real, actual people. I'll have more on this tomorrow, but didn't want to not include it today because in light of the Michigan State story, and in light of the Buffalo story that follows, I felt like this was an important piece of breaking news to include. The white supremacist who killed 10 black people in a grocery store in Maine has been sentenced to a life in prison without the possibility of parole. While he currently has only been sentenced to life, he still could receive the death penalty if he's convicted of the pending federal hate crime charges. Wayne Jones, the son of one of the victims, told him he hoped he didn't get the death penalty, so he could suffer with what he'd done for the rest of his life. At one point, while a victim's sister read an emotional statement, an unidentified man lunged at the shooter, but was stopped by police. Unfortunately. I mean, listen, violence is never the answer, but, you know, a little bop to the head of a white supremacist doesn't really count, right? Matt Gates, the abhorrent House Republican from Florida who, just typing his name brings flames to the side of my face style anger, will not be charged with the time he allegedly sex-trafficked women, including one minor, and then obstructed justice. And why do I roll my eyes when I say allegedly? Because he asked Trump for a pardon. You know, like innocent people do. In a related you-are-the-company-you-keep story, his little buddy Joel Greenberg was sentenced to 11 years in prison on sex trafficking charges. Great time to remind you that even without the charges, he is still an undeniably abhorrent creep with a terrible haircut who should absolutely lose his job next year. Nikki Haley, the former UN ambassador under Trump, announced her bid for the presidency on Tuesday, claiming that the nation was ready to move on from the, quote, division and distractions of modern politics, adding, I mean, like, I literally have no idea who is to blame for such things, but it is, um, ugh, I hate it. It's wild. Super, super wild. Anyway, she is the second Republican to join what is sure to be yet another crowded primary. Look for a few more announcements in the coming week, including Tim Scott, Rick Scott, no relation, and Mike Pompeo. Obviously, even without his announcement, 
Ron DeSantis is the biggest challenge to Trump. Well, I guess technically the lack of love he feels for himself and therefore will let himself feel for anyone else is his actual biggest challenge. But politically speaking, aside from the many, many criminal and civil investigations, the guy who once put an N95 mask on sideways, not upside down, sideways, remains Trump's biggest challenge. As for Haley, despite two terms as the governor of South Carolina and her time as a UN ambassador, her biggest challenge is, of course, that Republicans hate women. In My Guy, Get Help or Get Bent, either way, news, Mike Pence will fight a subpoena compelling him to come on in and talk about the time that a guy who will never want to hang out with him unless being forced, because if you can't even be a friend to yourself, how can you befriend others, did the literal only thing he's good at and lost the election. Not sure why he was so surprised, as he literally always loses, except he's incapable of critical or rational thought. So yeah, I guess if I really think about it, it does make sense. And instead of feeling a single emotion about it, he just gathered a whole bunch of people who worship him in a real creepy way, but who he'd rather wear an average length tie than hang out with, and asked them to rise up arms against this country and the very democracy they claim to love so much. And as they did it, in honor of and at the planning of a fraction of a man who doesn't even know how to apply self-tanner correctly, they went on the hunt for Pence to, as they were prompted to do by the guy in charge of it all, kill him. Do you remember that time? I'm talking, of course, about January 6th, although even I can see that my descriptions of the events, while accurate, are getting a little out of hand. Anyway, Coach Beard's special counsel would like to talk to Pence about Trump's effort to overturn the free and fair election he lost. And Pence, who on the day seemed like a real big boy, has decided, no thanks, because he's not a big boy. He is feckless. He believes it's unprecedented. And it's true, but it's also unprecedented to have a president literally incite an insurrection after losing an election. So, you know, we're going to try some new stuff here, guy. He is expected to take his fight for the right to let Trump pull his little strings like a spineless Pinocchio all the way to the Supreme Court, where I would imagine the Supreme Court will say, oh, no, we, we don't want to be a part of this because, like, we, we get it. But we hang out with historical badman Justice Thomas. And, like, we're trying to stay so far away from this for as long as we can because... Thomas for sure had some sketchy conversations with his wife, who then had some sketchy conversations with Trump's chief of staff. And like, we're already dealing with Aliko over here, so we'd rather not get into January 6th stuff, too. That, um, that'll be a direct quote. Or maybe they'll just let it slide. Well, whatever. The point is, Michael, Mike Pence, Mikey P, get therapy. What happened to you was probably super scary, but it was also illegal, and Trump isn't going to pick you as his running mate. So tell us what happened, and maybe, just maybe, you can get him out of the running because he'll be rightfully charged with sedition. It's not aliens. That's what the White House would like us to know about three post-balloon objects that have been shot down from the sky. We don't really know much more than that, which doesn't help their case a whole lot. The reason we don't know much more yet is because these objects are still being recovered. One was shot down in Alaska and the car-sized object is probably on a glacier. And it's really cold there. Two more objects... Um, one that was kind of cylinder shaped and one that is a question mark emoji have landed in Canada, or at least as is the case with the question mark emoji one, uh, we think that's where it is. It was shot down around the border. Canadians are working with the American officials to try and recover these objects. So that's the update. It's, it's not aliens. We don't know what it is, but it's not aliens. Wink, wink. I don't know. And... Finally, and I do mean finally, because this is where you come for breaking news. Um, Ted Lasso has set a season three premiere date of March 15th. 
I don't know why this has become like a part of the lore of this show. I mean, I love the show, but like, I don't know why it's become a part of this show. But the point is, um, I don't regret it. And new episodes come out starting March 15th. You're welcome, world. And that's it. That's the news. You know, sort of. Tomorrow we'll talk more about what's going on in Ohio. In the meantime, I know I gave him a hard time at the beginning of the show, but I am proud of almonds. The milk is good. The snack is good. It's cool that they're just anything they want to be. The water use is bad, but you know what? Avocado trees also use a lot of water, so that doesn't really prove my point at all. But more than that, more than the almond milk lattes I've been making in the mornings and afternoons, because you treat yourself like an adult and probably get a healthy amount of sleep, I'm proud of you. 